series tonight named What Child Is This? Uh, this is going to be a four-week series. Myself, Pastor uh, Jeff, will be able to also um, uh, bring the messages for this. Uh, and, and what we're going to talk about tonight is a mighty God. Uh, key scripture on this is going to be Isaiah 9, 6. And before I begin, anybody don't have a handout? <clears throat> if y'all can keep your hands up for the handout. Also, tonight, keep uh, Pastor uh, Joel in your prayers. He's out at another event speaking tonight at youth. Uh, so keep him in your prayers. Pastor Jeff is at home, not feeling well, so keep him in your prayers as well. Um, he was actually supposed to open up tonight, but I got the, got the call and opportunity to be able to do this. So, uh, you know, it's so funny that um, this happened. Me and him were talking on sun, um, Monday, and I, uh, I said, you know, Joe, uh, Jeff, with all the new logo that's going on and, and the launching of everything, I said, I actually got two days to get my message ready for Wednesday. And he said, you're not speaking Wednesday. I'm speaking Wednesday. <clears throat> I said, no, I know what I saw. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking Wednesday. He pulled it up, and sure enough, it says, um, Jeff is speaking tonight. And then I get the call yesterday morning that he, he was not going to be able to make it here. So, uh, so I knew that the Holy Spirit was actually talking to me, telling me, you know, the Bible says be ready in season and out of season. So uh, I needed to be ready and, and, and heed the voice of the Lord, you know. So, uh, and we're going to kind of touch on that a little bit more tonight. But we're going to start off with our key scripture of Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So I'm going to talk about tonight, I'm going to take a little bit, uh, a little excerpt out of that of uh, Mighty God. You know, we, we, it's easy for us to see God as, as being the great creator, uh, the God that, 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 you know, spoke into um, uh, Adam and, and, and he came forth, spoke into the world and it came forth. But sometimes we kind of see God can't really fix our little problems that we have, that little box that we kind of put him in. And we're going to kind of talk about, about that tonight. And the, the biggest thing is we need to understand, um, you know, it says mighty God. Mighty means power. It means, it, it means a great and impressive strength. So in order to, to, to know and see um, his power of, 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 of what they're describing here, we need to know who God is. That's one of the first things. And there's power in his name. Proverbs 22.1, it says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. So in the Bible, normally a, a person's name in the Bible represented something. It, it represented either a mission that they were on. It represented uh, something that God has given them uh, in their life. And growing up, my dad was a very big um, supporter of naming your child something that means something. Giving your child something that means, and one of the big things and, and that we grew up, people wanted to name their kids some African name without really, because it sounded good to them. You know, and, and, and he, he, he made a point. He said, you know, you're naming your child this name. That name could mean stupid one of the village. <laughs> he says, so every time you're calling your child, you're calling them stupid one of the village. So, I mean, he was very big on that. And, and, and I'm the oldest of, of six um, um, siblings. And, and um, of course, I was the firstborn. He named me Derek. Ner Derek means uh, grateful leader. Because he, he looked ahead and figured they were going to have more children, so he wanted his firstborn to be named something that's going to fit 
what, what you know, the whole process of, of them raising kids up. Um, my daughter, when me and my wife were, were, were looking for a name for my daughter, um, yeah, we were going through and kind of come across uh, the name Mackenzie, and, and my wife was reading the list out to me, and she said, oh, yep, we got it. I said, all right, what is it? She said, her name means daughter of a wise leader. I said, that's it, so. <laughs> so we want to be able to, to, to name our child. It's very important to be able to name our child something that is that, that it's meaningful, that it's, it's something that they're going to be able to grow into because you're calling their name. Every time you call their name, you're speaking life into that. You are speaking life into that. So, you know, we need to understand that there's power in the name of God. In Exodus 3, 13 and 14, it says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is the name? What shall I say unto them? And, the God, and God said to, unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt uh, thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So understanding the name, the name of God is, of, of I am. When you look back at the translations of I am, it, it, it goes back to, to the word um, um, Yahweh. Yahweh and, and, and I am are derived from the same word, and I can't never pronounce this. Um, where is it? Haya. I hope I'm saying that right. We got a lot of um, people who are studied that. Haya. Haya, um, uh, I am, and, and Yahweh comes from that word. And, and the, the, the beauty of this is in the first time that God has actually revealed his name, to anyone in the Bible, he revealed it to Moses. I am that I am. He has never said that before other than I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. You know, we, we, the, the, the children of Israel was so, they reverenced that name so much that it was, they considered it calling the Lord's name in vain if they spoke it out loud. So, you know, and I say that to say this, a lot of times, you know, we, we sit there and say, I'm so stupid. I am so fat. I am not worthy. I am, I am, I am. When we think about that, because we have God's breath in our lungs, we're speaking life into that. Are we actually using God's name in vain? I am. I am this. I am that. Because God is, and what it comes, I am that I am. God is in everything that was created. He is, into the, he is in the trees. He is the wind that you feel on your, 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 your face. He is in everything that we do. So when we, we, we look at that and start thinking about, we need to start considering our, our vocabulary. I am a child of God. I am delivered. I am set free. I am who he has called me to be. I am. So we look here, it says we, we, we must conform to God, not him conforming to us. A lot of times that we, we, we want to be able to put God in, in, in an area of our life where we need him when we need him, and then he's back where he needs to be when we don't need him. And, and, and the life that we, we have, 
is we need to make sure that we know who he is as, as a person. And he needs to be everything to us. We have to be able to conform our life to him. So the next thing I want to kind of talk about, and, and this is, goes into to the next power, power realm is what I like to call it. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Uh, back in, in, in um, when the children of Israel was, were slaves in Egypt, God told them to sacrifice a lamb. And, and take that, the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost. It take, put the blood of the lamb on the side post. And in order uh, for them to do that, the death angel would pass them by. So there was more to it than just sacrificing the lamb. They actually had to do something with the blood of, uh, of, of that particular lamb. So in Leviticus 17:11 it says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. So this is true in both spiritual and the physical realm. Your blood that runs in your body, your natural body right now, it is, if you cut blood off to a certain part of your, your body, it starts to die. It starts to deteriorate and it starts to die and it becomes useless to you. It kind of goes with the, the same way in the spiritual realm. It's if you, you cut the blood off of a certain part of your body, the blood of Jesus off in a certain part of your body, that part of your body spiritually starts to die off. We want to keep bl- fresh blood flowing. The other thing is, uh, comparing it naturally to spiritually, is your blood carries toxins and, and, and stuff away from your body, and it filters itself. The same thing with the blood of Jesus. He, um, you know, with the blood of Jesus, it's going to take away all the sin that you have um, in your body, your sin that you have in your life. There are a few things that uh, I want to kind of talk about. It says, Revelations 12, 11. It says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And I read a, a, a wonderful book a few uh, months back, and it talks about the seven places that Jesus sh- shed his blood before he was crucified. And it's very, it was very important uh, that he had to do that because he had to win back certain things for us as a believer uh, in our life. The first place that he shed his blood was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what that represents, and it says here in uh, Luke twenty-two forty-four, says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, and what that says is, is he was in such agony, his spirit, that the sweat fell from the ground. And what he did was won, won back the dominion that Adam had lost at the, gar- at the Garden of Eden um, when he... When he obeyed Satan pretty much and ate the, the fruit and he gave up his dominion. The second thing is, is by his stripes, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is one, uh, was upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. And some le- translation says we are healed. So uh, it says uh, he received 39 lashes. They, and there, there are studies that say if, if, if someone receives 40 lashes, that can actually kill them. That, that's the point of them dying. He received 39 lashes. Uh, there are 39 root diseases in the world today. He wore those stripes to cure and heal your body, no matter what you're going through. He took that back for us. Number three, it says, beaten and bruised. Isaiah 53, 
5 again, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised in our, for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. Or we are healed. So he was able to pay the price for the iniquities so we don't have to pass them on to our children. You know, we, my dad, he loves to say, you know, we got to break the generational curse. There are generational curses that can actually be attached uh, to your family, which is what we call iniquities. And only the blood of Jesus can wipe those clean. Only the blood of Jesus can get rid of those. So if there are things that you are holding on to that you know that you need to because you don't want to be able to pass it along to your kids or your kids to be able to see it, you need to be covered with the blood of Jesus. Number four, crown of thorns. Says um, in Genesis three nineteen, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Through painful toil, you will eat all of it all the days of your life. Says uh, he, he, he. Jesus won back the curse of poverty. Uh, Adam, not Adam, had to 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 after they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, he had to work. He had to plow the fields. He had to work for everything that he had, everything that in order for them because it wasn't given to them anymore. Jesus took that back. Number five, spikes in his hands. Genesis 4, 4 and 5, it says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of the Son. Jesus won back our authority. He won back our, our uh, sonship, if you will. He won back that we are child of the King, that we are, 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 his, we are seated high in heaven with him, and, 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 and we are together with him. So that, that's what he won back with that. And it says, spikes in, this, in his feet. Deuteronomy 31, 6, the Lord your God goes with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, you have this promise that he will never leave nor forsake you. He is always with you by the blood of Jesus. Spear in his side, Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. When he took the spear in the side, they said blood and water come out of his side. And that was uh, kind of a symbolization of his heart bursting. His heart broke, was broken for, for, for us. And, and that, that's what that represented. So uh, with, without the blood of Jesus, we are defenseless against the devil and his works. It's good to have zeal and do good works. It's good to have a high degree of morality and a strong devotional life, but none of those things alone can cleanse, heal, protect you when it comes to your forgiveness of, 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 of cleansing, your healing, protection, deliverance. God is still looking at the blood. Now, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's no matter how far you have ran, how far you think that you are, when God sees you, he sees the blood. He sees the blood that his son died on the cross for you. There's absolutely nothing, nothing that you can do to get too far away from him. And if you want to understand how, how that is, if any of you have children and your, your child sacrificed their life for you, 
you wouldn't be able to see to another person the same way. Which brings us to the next point is there's power inside of us. And that power is given to us when we come into the acceptance of Jesus Christ in our life. That power is given to us by the Holy Spirit that we'll be able to do, do the things and, and, and be strong and fight the things that the enemy wants to bring forth. Um, I kind of mentioned earlier about being ready for tonight. It's the Holy Spirit is, will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit was preparing me for, for tonight to be able to, because to, um, he knew things were going to happen to where I had to be here. Uh, it says, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us, when we, when we repent, come to Christ and give our life to Christ, our, the Holy Spirit is given to us. It is a gift. And that's one thing I had to um, kind of come to grips with is uh, growing up, I was in a works-based um, kind of atmosphere. I had to work. I, I received God, and I had to what they call tarry for the Holy Spirit. I had to, 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 to uh, just stay at the altar and just work and worship and, and until the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me. And, and Pastor Joe kind of really uh, clear, cleared things up by five years to me. He said, hey, it's a gift. Have you ever worked for a gift? It is a gift for you that he has given us. He is way, you know, so, so you know, that, that kind of opened my eyes. <laughs> like, wow, all this time, you know, and, and the enemy will use that against you to be able to, to, to make you question your salvation. That is one of the biggest tricks that he uses is questioning your salvation. Are you really saved? Did you really, you know, get, you receive the Holy Spirit? Do you, is it really inside of you? Is he there? Are you sure? You know, so that was, you know, something that, that I had to know within myself by the blood of Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. Uh, you know, there's a lot of theologians that said that the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit and all of that died with, the, with the, the disciples. But if you look there in Acts 2, 38, 9, and Peter said to them, repent. And this is, what after, this is after the, the, the uh, day of Pentecost when, uh, when, when the 12 received the Holy Spirit and he was preaching to the 3,000. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you, and watch this, and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That right there sums it all up to me for anybody that says all of that died with the disciples. It is here for us to have today. It is, it is our God. He is our comfort. He, he, is, he is everything that we need in order to have a, a, a daily walk in this world today. Without the Holy Spirit, we're not able to be able to, to really get through our day. The Holy Spirit is there to protect us. He is there to guide us. He is there to give us directions to where we need to go. And, 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 and the enemy will try to put up roadblocks. He will try to put up things in your way to give, to give you cause to fall off track. 
Uh, he will, we talked about iniquities earlier. He will, be able, he will come and try to put those in your face. Um, you know you really want that cigarette. You know you really want to go get that drink. You know this, blah, blah, blah. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in to fill that void. It, he comes in and, and, and he is there to help us get through those things uh, each and every day. See, it's got to become the reality in our lives so that we are not dependent on the new age concept that we make our own God or we're, we find God as the power within ourselves that somehow we trigger to release the power, the release of the power ourselves. So we have to come to the realization that we can't do this alone without him. We need him. We need him. He is there for us. And it's, you know, when I looked at back at my, my, my uh, sermon outline this week, and the three points that I closed, there's, there's power in his name. There's power in who he is, and there's power in the blood. There's power in us. I basically uh, pulled the Trinity out right there and didn't even realize it. Um, there's power in who he is, God. There's power in the blood, Jesus. There's power in us, the Holy Spirit. So we need to understand that we need, we need that guide. Um, you know, you can, you can go and, 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 and this is kind of funny to me, I would say, you know, God put something on my heart for you. Never known these people before, but I was able to, to, to witness to them. Uh, growing up, in, and I would go with my dad, and he would go and prophesy to people at different places, and I'd get back in the car, and I'd be like, has he ever met these people? <laughs> you know, it's like, where does that come, you know, and I, and I didn't ask questions like I should, but the, the having, and I don't like to use the word discernment, but be able to have that, um, that gift of the Spirit. And, and all of us have different gifts of the Spirit. Some of us have gifts of healing. Some of us have gifts of praying. Some of us have gifts um, to, to, to prophesy. You know, and, and being able to get closer in our walk with, with Christ um, and, and, and getting connected, if, I, if you will, with the Holy Spirit, that's where we can find out what our gifts are. Uh, because he's not there to hold it from us. He's not there to dangle it in front of us like a carrot. You know, we have to be able to build that relationship because he is the key for us surviving in, in, in this everyday life. So uh, it says, Ephesians 3, 20, 21, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power and work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. I say this to, 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 to really push a point across about the Holy Spirit. He, he is there with us. But he's not going to do anything until we do it. He's not going to do anything until we ask for it. That's why in First Peter it says to pray. Pray, that is, it, it, it's, it's, it's ask, actually ask, asking the Holy Spirit to do something for us. Um, to inter, inter, intervene on our behalf. It says that we have to, to be able to, to um, go. We can't go through the Father unless we go through uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He intercedes for us in heaven. So with that said, in, in, in my closing tonight, where, are, where do you think you are in your walk? And I use that word think very loosely because we need to know where we are in our walk. Do we have questions? Do we have doubts? Uh, where, where we are in our walk, where we are in the power that God has given us. Are we bold enough to say, I'm going to pray for you and I believe that God is going to heal you? 
I'm going to pray for this situation and you're going to come out of it. Father, heal me. (laughs) It's easy for us to pray for somebody else. But when it comes to us, do we have enough boldness? Do we have enough faith to pray for ourselves and our situation? 